How's it going, everybody? This is Will. This is not my first podcast. This is not the official first podcast, but I did want to record an audio version of this blog as it is a little bit long. I think I'll do this moving forward with each blog. I'll uh, provide audio for each one as well in case you want to listen rather than read or, or do both. So thank you for reading. Thank you for listening. And let me know what your thoughts are. Also, just so you're aware, we're going to be talking about trauma in this discussion. Feel free to skip this uh, and not read it if that's too much right now. So trigger warning on trauma and let's go. The Collective Trauma of COVID-19. As schools, businesses, and life as we knew it shut down during the beginning of COVID-19, we were thrown into an unknown. It was unknown when daily routines would return to normal, how we would mitigate the virus, and consequences from the virus that wouldn't be anticipated. Frankly, there are still plenty of unknowns, and yet some of us still found hope early on. Maybe some of that hope was channeled into wanting to start projects you've been longing to accomplish, or maybe that hope was getting excited to have more time to work out and exercise. As time went on, perhaps you realized that what you thought would be extra time, it was still very hard to get certain goals accomplished. Perhaps you felt actually more tired and drained than ever. Maybe you started falling asleep much later at night or having restless sleep. Maybe you felt more lonely, more stressed, or you even felt fearful. Maybe you never had a chance to feel or look towards the positives. Or you possibly have been doing well this entire time and that emotionally it hasn't been a struggle. Let's just start by saying this. Whatever you have felt, whatever you are still feeling, all those feelings are valid feelings. All those feelings, all those thoughts, especially as they relate to COVID-19, it is okay if this has been very hard for you. And it is okay if you have been okay. What we shouldn't do though is minimize the very real impact of a collective trauma. Whoa, trauma? Isn't that a bit much? No, not at all. Collective trauma is exactly the right word for this moment. It could be hard to view anything as traumatic as trauma is still a word with many stigmas attached and something people don't often want to associate themselves with. It can also make it harder to view something like COVID-19 as a trauma when in many areas, life is looking fairly normal. I mean, the sun is hot, summer is here, beaches are crowded, too many people are maskless, restaurants are serving in many areas. I would argue the push for normalcy away from something hard is a natural response when people are trying to cope, trying to survive, or in cases have the privilege and luxury of feeling safe. My focus right now though, isn't what should be closed or open right now. What I will say is individuals experience trauma all the time, and yet it can appear from the outside like everything is okay. So let's try to understand trauma and collective trauma. Let's start by defining collective trauma. The term collective trauma refers to the psychological reactions to a traumatic event that affect an entire society. It does not merely reflect 
an historical fact, the recollection of a terrible event that happened to a group of people. Collective trauma is simply an event that can alter the basic function and fabric of society. Examples include war, genocide, terrorist attacks, natural disasters, mass shootings, pandemics, and more. Collective traumas can also last for generations upon generations. For example, the implications of slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, police brutality, and the many systems of oppression. This has been a collective trauma for those within the black community. Another word you might see is intergenerational trauma or transgenerational trauma. This is the idea that trauma could pass through generations. In fact, we've seen the effects of intergenerational trauma play out during the collective trauma of COVID-19 with the protests related to the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the countless stories related to police brutality. The very real pains and emotions of these traumas not only live in our current bodies, but can pass through us into generations beyond us through stories and survival. Side note, Unorthodox on Netflix depicts transgenerational trauma, and the video in the blog post that is linked there discusses transgenerational trauma within Unorthodox further. Examples of collective trauma. We could point to many collective traumatic events in our past to gain a sense of these implications within this moment. Let's look to the Great Recession of 2008 as a starting point. Many studies have shown associations between recessions impact on mental health, finding increased risk for worse mental health, particularly depression and anxiety, and harmful coping behaviors such as risky alcohol and drug use. From constant fears of losing homes to the worries of prolonged unemployment, the feelings of insecurity, and even low self-esteem during a recession are very real. Vulnerable Americans may suffer the worst mental health consequences from a recession. Recessions often reveal what already exists, which are large socioeconomic divisions that leave particularly marginalized or low-income communities and families more vulnerable to the adverse effects of a recession. What is unique about a pandemic is the fact that it is not only the economic downturn that comes, but the very fact that in the face of all this, we see death rates on the climb and hospitals overwhelmed. There are also collective feelings of loss, loss of family or friends who might have passed away from the virus, loss of going home for school, loss of not having a graduation or prom, loss of wedding ceremonies, and more. These are many similar feelings after 9-11 when the world came to a standstill. Between high death rates, a community that closed for a period of time, fear of the unknown. While this pandemic and 9-11 are two different events, they both fall in the realm of a collective trauma. The psychosocial impact of these events go beyond distress and heightened vulnerability. Other studies have described reactions of anger and political intolerance, gratitude and spirituality, and even changes in pattern of normal language use, social behavior, and cognitive processing nationally. Research has also shown people having clear negative reactions, including religious discrimination and political intolerance towards people within the Muslim community or people who were perceived as being similar or affiliated with the attackers. 
During COVID-19, it is fair to say we have seen similar responses. There is anger and political intolerance with the politicizing of the very virus itself. Our social behaviors have changed due to social distancing, lockdown, and quarantines. And unfortunately, we have also seen discrimination and racism towards those within Asian communities that have been escalated from the president's choice of words himself. Symptoms and coping. All of this is to say, we as a society are enduring something that isn't supposed to be easy to endure. This is hard. This is a collective trauma that will impact us all in incredibly different ways. Early on in the pandemic, grocery stores were empty, not due to any shortage of supplies, but the overbuying. While some may view this as people being irrational, this example also shows that when we experience trauma, we also function with a survival brain. Our decision-making is literally altered cognitively when the survival parts of our brain are being accessed. A person's decision to buy all the toilet paper, for example, might not be the most logical decision, but it is a quick decision under a brain that may be in survival mode in which our amygdala, prefrontal cortex, and many other parts of the brain are trying to protect us. More information and links are found in the blog. Symptoms of trauma include, and are not limited to, increased feelings of distress, nightmares, avoidance of certain activities, loss of interest in life or daily activities, increased fear, panic attacks, inability to concentrate, etc. Resources can be found within the blog. Individual coping during COVID-19. Coping for everyone will be different. It is important to recognize if your coping strategies are unhealthy or healthy. Healthy coping strategies during COVID-19. Distractions. Distractions are good for short-term relief as they can give your heart and mind a break. Distractions don't necessarily get to the underlying issues and don't always work long-term. Distraction examples, watch TV, puzzles, learning something new, cleaning, gardening, crafts, games, reading. Grounding. Grounding exercises are good to help reduce the effects of anxiety. Grounding exercises can help an individual feel more present and more within their body. Grounding exercises may be hard to practice and may take time to find what works for you in the environments you are within. Pay attention if the grounding exercise you are using is having unintended consequences, such as causing more distress. Grounding examples, using sensory tools, using lotions, lighting a candle, making a sensory kit, noticing the color of objects around you, breathing exercises, yoga. Emotional release. Emotional releases are good for releasing built-up anger or frustrations. It can release the pressure of overwhelming emotions. It may be hard to emotionally release in certain environments. Emotional release examples. Letting yourself cry, screaming into a pillow, ripping up a cardboard box, dancing around the house. Self-love and self-compassion. Who better to provide reassurance to you than yourself? Self-compassion is being kind to ourselves and not being harsh if we don't accomplish everything we set out to do during this or any time. It is reminding ourselves we are worthy, 
our emotions are valid and that we are human. Self-love and compassion can be a very hard practice. Self-love, self-compassion examples. Buy yourself a treat. Do a face mask. Dress up for no reason. Write yourself a card. Make your favorite dinner. Do something for you. Collective coping and care. I don't want you to feel like this is all on you to get through the experience of a pandemic. It is not all on you. We as a community are responsible for helping each other through this difficult time. While it is easy to see bad examples of this, let's focus on the positive examples between the creation and donation of masks and supplies, alternative ways to celebrate milestones, and the reconnection with family and friends. It is okay to find good within this moment. Equally important is recognizing that in the midst of a collective trauma such as this pandemic, our government and systems have an equal responsibility to care for our communities. I know this may seem counterproductive, but for some people, leaning into the issues, being an activist, calling things out, empowerment and activism can be forms of coping. Our governments and many politicians have already spoken about mental health implications, and too often it is more of a talking point or justifying reopening when budget proposals and the actionable pieces of supporting mental health efforts aren't being addressed. The stimulus packages that were passed and the ones being proposed focus less than 1% on mental health. I will write more about this for next week, but understand that we individually take care of ourselves. We as a community can support each other and our larger institutions also need to play a role. This isn't on you alone, and please remember, support is available if needed.